Welcome in, everybody. TGIF. Yes, thank God it's Friday right here on Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, and joined right off the top by the voice of the Texans, the legendary, I love saying legendary, legendary Mark Vandermeer. Mark, good afternoon. How are you doing? What Does that mean old? I'm hoping no. not. Mm-mm. All right, no, good, good. Not at all. Uh, legendary NCAA tournament going on. How about oh. Madison Square Garden last night? Then that Gonzaga-UCLA game, the late night game on TV anyway. And I'm looking forward to everything that's happening this weekend with the Cougs, Longhorns, et cetera. Okay, so let me ask you about this. Mm-hmm. I, I am convinced. I am convinced in sports where it happens matters. Meaning yes. that same game is played at, I don't know, pick a, pick a spot. Um, that same game is played down in Orlando. Sorry, Orlando, you're just caught in the, the shrapnel here. <laughs> That game is played in Orlando last night. It's a great basketball game. But because the game is at MSG, because yep. the game's star is from Harlem, he's from the city of New York, and obviously he gets banged up and then he comes back in the game, I am convinced that matters. The Rose Bowl. When Utah and Ohio State go at it two years ago, the Jackson Smith and Jigby game, when we were in San Francisco sitting at the, uh, at the bar eating, watching that game, I feel like that game, because it was at the Rose Bowl, mattered. Agree? Disagree? Totally agree. And I think they don't do enough publicity, for lack of a better word, showcasing of where the games are at that are being played. Because sometimes I'm looking at these sites, especially yep. in the first round. Wait, where are they? And you have to look hard on the floor to find yep. some kind of identification here. I think Madison Square Garden, though, it's an unfair advantage. This is, quote, the world's most famous arena. Uh, that's a self-title for them. But in many ways, it is. You think about all the great games that have taken place there over the years, whether it's pro or college. Uh, this bothered me about North Carolina. I know this is a football show, but when North Carolina passed up the NIT this year, they declined mm-hmm. the NIT bid, the invite, I really thought Dean Smith would not like this because Dean Smith once, I mean, I think more than once said goodbye to the NCAA tournament in order to go to the NIT back when the NIT was a better tournament. The NCAA would take 16 teams or whatever it was. And the NIT took just about everybody and you'd have days of games at Madison square garden. And everyone knew it was a tremendous event. Now this is back in the fifties and stuff like that. He knew the value of it. I know it's not the same anymore, but you end up at the garden. Now they might not be that crazy about the matchups they have next week at the NIT final four. We won't get into that right now, but good luck to North Texas, which I'm sure will move the needle in Manhattan. But last night that moved the needle in a big way. You get an NCAA tournament game, on that floor, it means something. And I think the people in the building sense it too. And I felt like the crowd understood what they were watching. And that amped them up. And when they got amped up, then I think the players went to a different level. Both teams, yeah. Michigan State and K-State, responded all night. I mean, K-State moves on and will take on FAU. And congratulations to FAU, man. What a great, great story FAU is. Coming from back from behind against Tennessee, that was incredible. But I felt like they all, everybody in that building understood what they were witnessing. Players, coaches, fans, everybody. And it just – it allowed both sides to take their games to a different level. It was just – it was absolutely incredible to watch. And then we got the Cougs tonight taking on Miami. Uh, you got the Longhorns taking on Xavier. I think 
Now, K-State, Michigan State last night was the game of the tournament to date. I think Texas and Xavier could play the game of the tournament. I think those two are going to go at it. And I wish that game were at MSG. It's in Kansas City, and Sprint Center, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. is great. But I think Texas Xavier is going to be a fun, fun ball game. Both those teams can score. Um, And I'm cheering for Rodney Terry. Rodney Terry went to Angleton High School, and I missed playing him by a year. Because I started on the varsity as a freshman, and he graduated right after my eighth grade year. So I missed playing against Angleton uh, and Rodney Terry. But I've always cheered for him uh, with that kind of you know, neighborhood connection in some sense. So I want to see him do well. I'd love to see Texas play U of H. I know there are a lot of people that don't want to see that. There are a lot of people that do want to see it. So I'm excited to see that. But, Mark, the Texans continued today to make moves. Nick Casario keeps on rocking. Now, the Dalton Schultz move became official, which could have helped me at about, oh, I don't know, 10 o'clock when I wrote my daily brew. We'll get into that in a second. (laughs) But Dalton Schultz is official. We've talked a lot about Dalton Schultz. But also becoming official was the signing of Steven Sims Jr., 5'10", 176, return guy, slot guy. A lot of targets when he was a rookie at Washington. The last couple of years he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, has done a ton in the return game. Mark, your gut reaction is Steven Sims Jr. now being added to the wide receiver and return teams. We'll see where it goes when they get to the 53-man roster and how he fits in, but returnability is a strong attribute here. Special teams ability, of course, for Frank Ross's unit. You know, Frank got some national pub as he was at the UH Pro Day watching Tank Dell do his thing as a return man. So I'm not sure who's going to do it as far as the kickoff returns. You still have Dez on this team to help out at punt returns, but we'll see if they go in another direction there. There are a lot of possibilities. You know, it's kind of like two years ago when we came in and they had so many different possibilities in the return game heading into 2021, and it all kind of shook itself out. But I like this part of it. It's the hidden yardage. It's very important. Maybe Sims fits in in this category. Maybe he doesn't make the team. I don't know. It's not one of those signings that's going to really move or or shine on the marquee the way Dalton Schultz or Devin Singletary, but it could be a solid piece as far as special teams go, and who knows from there because who knows what injuries bring up or whatever. Yeah, absolutely, and the fact that he has played a bunch of receiver. I think a lot of people will point, first of all, to the return game, but he has played receiver. He is dynamic. And I just, I've said this over and over and seeing Frank at UH pro day, which I'm a little disgusted with, with, well, a lot of things because not I checked four different sites. No, not Frank and not tank Dell and not the university of Houston. I checked four or five sites yesterday or uh, this week. When is UH pro day? Friday, getting all ready to go Friday. By two, two 30, I'm doing work here. And I see Aaron Wilson tweet like, here it is Houston pro day. I'm like, ah, I, ugh, I can't say the word. Oh. Anyways, Frank was out there looking at Tank Dell. He would be very interesting with this roster, but I think you got a, you got a little different version of that with Steven Sims Jr. being added to the roster. And look, for a lot of people, like, yeah, curious. It doesn't move the needle, maybe like Dalton Schultz does, but I think in the end, Steven Sims Jr. is a guy that can end up making an impact on this team, especially given what the team uh, has done on special teams the last couple of years, especially last year when they're number one in the league in special teams. So, He's added to the mix. No Tremont Smith. He moves to the Denver Broncos. So you've lost Tremont's uh, return ability, but you do get Steven Sims Jr. to now be in the mix. And I wouldn't be surprised if whoever they draft, their running back, wide receiver, even DB, is going to have some sort of return skills. Um, so that's going to be added to the mix. Now, 
those moves. Now, Schultz was rumored, so mm-hmm. I added that. But I did my daily brew today. You can check it out at HoustonTexans.com. And with everything that's been happening, I some point on Thursday night, I was like, man, there's so many different things that happened. I need to see this, like all of it in totality. I got to see it yep. all like together. And so I figured if I was feeling that way, there are probably a lot of Texans fans feeling that way. And so I, my daily brew basically is just by position group. Here's where the Texans stand right now. Here are players they've brought back or were under contract already. Some they've resigned. Here are the free agents they resigned. Here are some of the waiver claims. EJ Perry, a quarterback, was a waiver claim. And so I broke down each position. And one of the things that stood out was like where they are with how many players they brought back from last year or were in the building last year. And then the number of players that are new to the roster this year. And so in doing the math, I think it was 46, 46 players. Uh, wait a second. I got to check my math on this. I'm, 49. You got 49, 49, 49. here. Yep. 49 players were in the building last year that are on the roster currently. You've got, that's about, and then if you take in the draft picks, and I think there were 19 total. Now that doesn't count Steven Sims. So that's a, that makes, I think, 20. So there's 20 total new players on this 90-man roster, what's about to be a 90-man roster. So if you do the math of 49 and 20, that's 69. Mm-hmm. You got 12 draft picks. That's about 81. Now we know Nick's probably not going to go with 12. So it's probably going to be about 8 to 10. That's going to end up being somewhere where you got, I don't know, probably 9 to 11 or so undrafted free agents. So this roster will have just over 50% on the 90-man roster that were in the building last year. Mark, when you hear that, A, does that shock you? B, which position group do you think with the changes that have been made impact the team the most in 2023? I, well, I think it could be numerous ones. You know, you, we could debate this about, about which one is going to be impacted because I don't think they're done on the offensive line, but what they've done with the offensive line even though it's Shaq Mason, really the, the shining star there, yeah. but that could mean so much, especially with the development of the year one to year two jump of Kenyon Green. You could see a real jump there. Different quarterback in there. We'll see how that goes. But Johnny, I, you know, I like the secondary. I mean, obviously, that's when you yeah, had Jimmy Ward, that makes the whole tide rise there. The D line. Uh, you know, we talked about Taylor Stallworth, who played a minute last year, but that's kind of a sneaky hot acquisition last year that's going to factor in this year, plus the new guys of Rankins, Ridgeway, Winovich. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of places I can go with this. Uh, and tight end, I mean, Dalton Schultz, what does he do? Tight end is a small position group anyway, as far as total number, right, three right. or four guys. You add a guy like Dalton Schultz, who's the top of the heap. I mean, that elevates everything, right? Yep. So, you know, what happens when you draft your quarterback? How's, how's he going to elevate the quarterback room? So there are a lot of places you can go. What I'm curious about, though, it, it's funny when you put it that way, that you have 49 new or 49 guys who were in the building last year who are still in the building on this 90-man roster. And then you're going to add 20 new players through free agency and about 12 to the draft, maybe not so many, but undrafted free agents included in that and whatever other free agents you pick up along the way. Now, I still think it's a pretty large number of what was here last year. And look, we're used to this 21, 
22, we had pretty big, you know, 21 was a massive overhaul. Yeah, 22, yeah. you still did a lot of work, new additions. They brought in a lot of new faces. They made a lot of changes there. This year, a lot of changes and a lot higher quality changes compared to two years ago, what they were doing. We all understood what they needed to do and why they did it two years ago. Right now, they're ramping up. These Some of these guys are going to be around. They're going to get contract extensions. Some of these guys are, I don't want to call them placeholders for the draft choices as they flourish, as they mature. But what we talked about this the other day. It's going to be fun to watch who's who in those categories. And, and I just think it's exciting. Uh, I'm eagerly anticipating watching this all develop. But my reaction is, man, there's a lot of guys still around. But when you get to the 53, how many new players are going to be on that 53? That's the key thing here. And I think it's going to be about half. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it actually might be. Yeah, it might be a little bit more of of new additions. And my gut tells me that 20 going into 24, there may not be as many changes or additions through free agency, waiver claims, et cetera. But whatever free agents that are added, they might have an even bigger splash than this. I think the group that is, I think the group that is most impacted is the defensive line, especially the interior defensive line. I just remember last year when when Malik Collins went out, and even before Malik went down, that group was struggling. That defensive line was not stopping the run, and so on Monday you'll have my position breakdown of the D-line. And if you haven't read those, you should have been because I told you about Jimmy Ward. That was one of the free agents mm. I told you that, that might be a possibility. I also told you about Devin Singletary, my running backs one. So this one, because free agency is pretty much, I don't want to say over, but it's we're down the path. Don't fall bit. into that trap. No, I know it's not over, but I'm just Every saying. Every time you say that, they sign somebody else. I know, <laughs> but I'm the one that tells everybody it's not over. It never stops, but. The yeah. big crux of free agents. So I didn't really do that with this. But when I got to the section called recently signed to a contract for 2023, Hassan Ridgeway, Sheldon Rankins, I wrote the exact same thing about them. Ridgeway, the former Texas Longhorn, is thick, quick, and stout. Those attributes should truly help this run defense in a big way. After years of seeing opponents not moving inch against the Texans front, it was galling to see this run defense get torn to shreds for the past three seasons in particular. Ridgeway was brought to Houston to stop that bleeding. Rankins, the 12th overall pick of the 2016 NFL draft, is thick, quick, and stout. Those attributes are truly – you get the point. It's the yeah. exact same thing. And then I made a point to say, yeah, I didn't just copy-paste. I know what I did. The whole point <laughs> is those two, Ridgeway and Rankins, have come to Houston, maybe not to get back the defense of 11 or get back the defense of 2016 – but to keep us from the run defense of 21 and 22, that hopefully the bleeding will stop in this run defense. You know, they can draft some real studs here, and I'm hoping they do, and I think they will. I think, you know, obviously not everybody works out, but my point here is everybody's so focused on the quarterback. They're going to draft some impact players. They might not be impact players right away. But when you look at your daily brew on HoustonTexans.com, this is a pretty good idea of what the team's going to be. It yeah. really is, you know, and obviously quarterback is the biggest position in the world and all that, but this gives you a good idea of what the 2023 Houston Texans could look like. And then you sprinkle in, it's more than sprinkle. You insert key players at different positions that are rookies, but the issue is they're rookies. 
And it's hard to count on rookies, 17 games. We know the story. That's why it's really impressive and important what Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans have done here, bringing in guys who can play. You talked about that D-line. We talked about Schultz, Singletary. All these guys can really make this team a whole lot better this season. And uh, I don't know how it translates into wins. You know, it's funny. I'm not ready to go there yet, but I will now because it's talk radio. What we said last year, that the team could be better, but the record might not be because they'll play closer games, which is exactly what happened. In fact, the record was worse, but they played closer games. They were more competitive as a team. This year's team, I expect the record to be a lot better. Now, what's a lot mean? Double it? Double the win total? More than that? I don't know how to gauge it just yet. I really have to do, I do have to see how they handle the quarterback situation and who they get in the draft before we start making predictions and who everybody else gets as well. But I'm optimistic beyond that, really, about a market improvement in win total here, Johnny. I'm going to go ahead and say it's 16 and one, baby. Put it down. Do 16 it. and one. Put it in pen right now. It's happening. <laughs> Boy, that would be, that would be really nice. Mark, appreciate it. Now, when we get back, this is the Friday show I promised you a couple weeks ago. We had a great time talking with Paul Allen, the play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Vikings. Great stuff with Paul Allen. Next, right here on Texans All Access. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access. It's March 10th. I mean, wait a second. It's not March 10th. But on March 10th, I had put together a show for Friday. I was doing 2 to 6 with Ron the Show Hughley, and I put together the show because I knew I wasn't going to be able to record it because I was on the air, 2 to 6. And so I put together a show. There wasn't a whole lot happening on that Friday. Free agency was going to happen over the weekend. So when that happens, I record the show sometimes. And so I had this show ready to go. Paul Allen, great stuff. We had just a blast with him. And then about 4.15 or 4.30 that day, the Panthers decided to wreck my Friday party. And they traded for the number one pick. And so we scrapped the show. And basically, I didn't throw it away, but I just put it off to the side and figured I'd save it for a day like today, where things have sort of slowed down during free agency. And we can finally get to that discussion with one of the most gregarious, outgoing, and great play-by-play men in the league, Paul Allen. We had a blast talking with the man. And note the word swivel yeah listen for it paul great to see you what's going on brother we um uh you must have been shy a guest or something man to have me over here we're not <laughs> i don't think we play each other next year and with D'Amico and everything going on with your squad i mean you are absolutely thick and bountiful with talkers yeah but paul everybody wants to talk with you yeah, all right you're the guy you're the guy who went viral with your booth cam <laughs> and the game at buffalo especially with the Give it to us. Give it to us. <laughs> to the officials. I love that. Very, yeah, it's crazy. It's a command to the officials. I mean, it's Paul, awesome. you've, been, you've been through a lot of games. I mean, people have heard you, and you've been covering the Vikings for a long time. But that game in Buffalo, it, it felt different, and maybe it was because we could see it. Yeah. I mean, we know what goes on in a radio broadcast, yep. but for people to see that and to see you going through those emotions and yep. everybody around you, we're just talking to Gabe, who was up there, who I thought made the whole video – when you think back to that game, you think back to that just entire event, and then the video takes off. I mean, what was that like kind of as you were seeing mm. the thousands and almost millions of views for that particular moment? Yeah, it. Um, well, that game was surreal in its own right because yep. of the back-and-forth nature of it. But don't forget, with a team in your division, 
you know, we were down 33 zip to Indianapolis right. at halftime, and we came back and beat them for the uh, biggest comeback in the history of the NFL. So th- there was a camera in there for that, yep. you know, and I think as you guys uh, can can understand, specifically Mark, is if that, if there's a camera in there, you know, they're, they're using it for Vikings.com to, to get a touchdown call, blah, blah, blah. But you, when you're calling the game, you forget it's in there. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, for me at Buffalo with, um, you know, what I think the Pat McAfee show and then Barstool Sports and, and all that, they just – it got really hot on a Wednesday yeah. after that Buffalo game. And um, But what was really getting to me a little bit is I had in, – in the booth to the left of us at Buffalo, it was the Bills general manager – and, and the people around him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm standing up, you know, we're not making eye contact than we are. And, you know, before the game, I tried to, like, do a little fist bump <laughs> through the through the glass, just on the glass, yeah. to the, I don't know, personnel guy or whatever. Yeah. It wasn't their GM. And he just shunned me. And I was like, are you – Gabe, who you just referenced, Henderson, yeah. Vikings.com, he's my road statistician. Um, it's I was like, are you kidding me with this? I mean, it's like, okay, I guess it's on, so let's play the game. So I was a little wound up in the first place because of that. Now, after the game, when, um, you know, everything started started to really get big, and I guess some people would say go viral, uh, I was very uncomfortable with it, and, and I sat in a grocery store parking lot just <laughs> – kind of like looking at my phone, almost hoping it would stop. Um, and and it just it was just way too much attention that was coming my way. Yeah. Um, and the team was doing really well. So I initially was like, you know, I hope I'm not pulling, um, a pull, pulling attention from the team. But it was just something that was going granted the right way. Uh, you know, at least the social media goes, yeah. and it just wouldn't stop. And, yeah. I, and I'd never experienced anything like that in 20-some-odd years of calling Vikings games. So, you know, it, it. so then I go to bed that night, that Wednesday, and I was uncomfortable, you know, and, and being a Christian, they're, they're, I, I just knew that the following was growing, and the, you know, for whatever, for whatever the reason, God has my star rising mm-hmm. 30 years into a career, yeah. you know, which at this stage, at this age, you know, you're just trying to hold on, man. You're just trying to come up with new stuff left and right. So I was really uncomfortable with like, you know, this needs to be done and this needs to be done and this needs, and let's go out and do this and, and capitalize on what's happening right now. Um, so, uh, you know, I apologized to somebody to whom I didn't speak the right way, went to bed, <laughs> woke up at four in the morning and and opened up my computer and LeBron James had tweeted me and it was oh, vi- it, it was very you know, he, he wrote wow Paul Allen is a national treasure and it, it, the fact he wrote my name out I mean it still it still wow. like gives me chills like he could have written same I know right um, great job yeah. boy that was fun um, or that guy sucks he could have written anything in the world yeah. he wrote my name you know so then the following continued to grow. So now that we're months removed from it, you know, with a lot of work that I do with churches and, and a lot of um, uh, Christian-based speaking, well, now I can completely understand, at least from a biblical standpoint, what took place there with this following growing because, I mean, I'm just doing a lot more speaking yeah. and right. a lot more ministering. That's awesome. But I didn't get it at that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I went I, not thy. And, and it, it, it was just another life lesson that I needed to learn. That is so that was awesome. a long answer, man. But no, Paul, no, that, that was, was about beautiful. the most truthful answer I've ever given. I, I think and I was telling Gabe this. You know, working for the team as we do, 
you know, oh, you're homers, you're homers, you're all this and that. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Especially the way we've had it for the last three years, it's not been great. So you know what? When you do get it and when you do have a moment like that, they come around so infrequently, mm -hmm. you just dive into the moment and let it happen. And that's yeah. the way I felt kind of watching everybody mm. react in that, like, that's our team on the road. We're all in this together. And yeah. you see unabashed joy come from you guys and to hear it from your voice mm -hmm. was just, you know, for, for a team that's not winning and not experiencing that, yeah. to see you guys have that was like, well, that was cool. Well, wh whether you're on the sideline or Mark is boxing, uh, it you know, you, you get into a mode where you can't care what people think. Right. Because mm -hmm. you know that you've been put in that position because you're you're qualified to be in that position. And, you know, both Mark and I have done it for so long. Do you still do a radio show? I do Texans radio shows. Okay, right. Well, but you are on one right now, by the way. So okay, okay, well, see, like, you know, Mark and I have talked about that in the past, yeah. where doing the balance of a radio show yeah. and being like, you know what, on that final play in our playoff game, it's preferred you don't check down to T.J. Hawkinson uh, well in advance of the yeah. sticks. Just go ahead and chuck it up to J.J. or Thielen yep. and see what happens. Well, you got to handle that, too. you got to handle right. yep. that side of it. Then you get the positive side of it where you, you don't remember the cameras in there. And those moments are so fleeting. You know, even if you win 13 games, those games we had last year, man, I mean, like, again, coming back from 33-zip against Indianapolis, we had a game against the Giants in the regular season on Christmas Eve. That came down to the final kick. You know, but, but with a lot of the attention that I was getting with that Buffalo game, it bugged me for a minute that, and, and I understand, you know, the dot-coms are in the dot-com clicking business. But like Barstool Sports and, and a lot of these entities, um, and, and I think Mark's going to really appreciate this, is just a year and change before that, week two of the 2021, I blew the first game-winning call of my career. And I've called 400-some-odd games. We're at Arizona, terrible angle, as you know, yep. deep corner. It's all the way on the other side, big deal. I've done it before. Um, and, uh, you know, Joseph's kick is good. No, he missed it right. right. Well, I mean, Barstool had my face with a clown nose on it oh, when we were flying yeah. back home. And that's okay. That's part of the game. You know, but a lot of the same entities that were like, this guy's a clown. This guy's the worst we've ever heard. How does right. this homer have a job? Now you're national treasure. A year right. and change yeah. later, I'm national <laughs> treasure guy, and they're calling for interviews. Yeah. So yeah. I struggled with that, you know, because yeah. it was just it, – it, it just uh, it was talking out of both sides of your mouth. But that's okay. I get the game. This is like group therapy for me right now. Yeah, this mm. is awesome. Paul right, Allen, absolutely. voice of the Minnesota Vikings. Well, in that Buffalo game, you know, when, when uh, Josh Allen fumbles at the goal line, Eric Kendricks falls on it. Okay, yeah. well, I go nuts. And, and I'm like, and the Vikings are going to win the game. All right, well, there were still 50 seconds left. And mm. Buffalo went down to tight and it went to overtime. Well, that aided me a little bit after the yeah. game. Yeah. Wouldn't they eat at you just a little bit? It, it would, and I've had stuff like that where I declare victory, and I'm thinking, <laughs> it's safe, yeah. or is it? <laughs> a minute right? and a half left, it's rock and roll time, baby. And, and you're yeah. sweating it out like, you better win this because yeah. uh, opening day of Texans history, there's a sack late in the game against the Cowboys. It's 19-10, to 10, and, and I say something like, it's not over, but they're going to win this game. <laughs> And everybody in the booth looked at me because they're all oiler people, yeah. right? It's the first you game of Texas. So badly. And I'm th they're like, yeah. you got to be familiar with Houston, my friend. <laughs> and <laughs> this to is that out end, of the bag. Well, try <laughs> being a Minnesota sports fan where we haven't won a championship since 91. The Astros roll out when the schedule, when the schedule mm. comes out, man, they're like favored to win the World Series, you know? Mm. So it's a long-standing piece, right. uh, piece of a turmoil for us. And along those lines, all of us Houstonians say thank you 
because the end of the Vikings-Colts game, it was the Vikings have had the greatest comeback <laughs> in NFL history. Yeah. And all of us in Houston were like, yes. That was yeah. cleansing. Polite. That it was very really nice. Was. If there was a microphone really in, in the big Vox box at U.S. Bank Stadium, you know, not like up front where we call the games, if they had had hidden microphones – and heard me and some other people talking about that first half oh, when we were down yeah. 33-0. See you, Curly. They'll um they'll they'll have to drop the f bombs, and they would. I mean, we were really negative. It was that bad. Flip the album, man. And um, I mean, we came back and beat one of your division rivals after mm-hmm. being down 33 yeah. zip. It was unbelievable. So was I awesome. know a lot of moments in your career because I follow everybody, and I do think, and I'm not just saying this because you're here. I've said it before on the air that you're a great example of a total success as the voice of a team. Because I remember, was it 03 when the Cardinals mm-hmm. had that? And you, your call was it Nathan Poole? Yeah, your it call was Josh was, McCown. Yeah, it was no. Oh, it yeah. was beautiful. And I just yeah. thought that is a wonderful call because you're feeling the emotions of the fans and everyone knows what happened. And it's it's beautiful in its negativity because it was a loss. But yeah. I thought it was a great call. Well, that's sweet of you, man. And, you know, I started in 2002. So um, I think I just completed same year with me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 21, uh, 21 years. Mm-hmm. And this is this is my first play by play job at any level. Wow. I auditioned for this job. And, and I lost it to Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. And then the one that uh, Red McCombs bought in, uh, brought in to do the job, Terry Stembridge from down San Antonio, well, it wasn't very good. And um, and so, therefore, I started in 02 after they, they bumped him out. In 2000, I went to the Metrodome and would find a spot in the baseball press box, and I called like seven games into a tape recorder. So, you know, it's it's I'm just very blessed that – that God has put me in this position. Uh, not only the K-Fan is my first radio job ever. I auditioned to become a racetrack announcer, having never done it in San Francisco in 93. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about this in 02. You know, it's just abundantly clear to me with, with where my life has gone with Christianity, why God has built this following for me and gifted me with eloquent speaking skills, you know, so, so I can share the gospel, minister to people, and just do stuff like that. Paul, let's get on the field with the Vikings. Uh, I was actually telling Mark I was watching the voyage. What the Mark's Vikings. like, I didn't know a Billy Graham crusade was no, going to break out. No, I love this. No, this, this, this is, is this great will, stuff. This will resonate with a lot of listeners on both sides of the cloth, if you know what I mean, Paul. Yeah. But on the field, I was watching the voyage the other day that the Vikings Entertainment Network does. It was fantastic. And as I'm watching, I'm like, man, they've got a roster filled with alphas and filled with dudes. And so I'll ask you this, how frustrating – was the loss to the Giants, knowing all that, that you have this roster that yeah. does have pro bowlers and all pros, and you have arguably the greatest receiver, one of the top five players in the league, and yet lose at home to the Giants. Yeah. How how frustrating was that, and where does this team go in 2023? Well, I mean, it, it was absolute um, unadulterated shock because we won every single one of those close games. Yeah beginning back in week three against the Lions, where we should have been swept by the Lions. And, you know, the Lions could be favored to win our division next year. We're losing to them at home, and then Cousins finds K.J. Osborne very late. We walk off winners. Uh, We have that Buffalo game, the Indianapolis game. Uh, We just every single, almost every one of our wins came right down to the wire. So, A, I was surprised that we didn't win. Uh, B, I began to circle the metaphorical wagons for the radio show the next day because Cousins 
uh, for my taste, had the best season he's ever had of his career. Yep, right. As cold-blooded as can be, left hash, right boundary, right hash, left boundary, dimes, yep. JJ MVP type guy. Yep. You know, but I knew he was going to get hammered. Uh, Minnesota's a habit state, and you know, when you I guess have the audacity to take a three-year guaranteed deal like he did in '18, first one in the history of the NFL. Uh, Kirk knows to whom much is given, much is expected, but the fan base, you know, they still lay on that money and the guarantee and everything, and, you know, Kirk can't get over the hump and stuff like that. So I began to circle the wagons on that. But I think what really bugged me was during the course of the season, uh, a lot of the national interviews that I would do because we were winning a lot of games is we were like the NFL's favorite frauds. You know, it's, hey, I saw that Monday night game against Philly and you got killed. Hey, I saw that mid-afternoon game with uh, with Nance and Romo against Dallas. You got murdered. You guys are frauds. And they weren't. I knew they weren't. Now, the defense was problematic. Um, how, so, therefore, the fact that they lost the way they did in a game they always won, the quarterback checked down on 4th and 13 and wasn't even close to a – it just was. It was a very. It was a very inauspicious way to say goodbye. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, Paul Allen, voice of the Minnesota Vikings, with us. Chicago's got the number one pick, Paul. You know them well. You're in their division. What do you think they will do, and what do you think they should do mm. with that pick? Uh, with the with the will, um, I believe they will keep the pick, mm-hmm. and they will take one of those defensive guys everybody's talking about here in Indianapolis. And uh, the one from Georgia, um, I guess, is a really, really potential high-end player. Yep. What I feel they should do is I feel they should draft a quarterback with the first overall pick mm. and not buy into the terrorism that <laughs> this is not a year with a Burrow or a Mahomes or whomever you would get Mahomes went 10th, but you know what I mean, at, yeah. at number one. And it's simply, it's simply, I just need to see Justin Fields show me that he has a swivel, okay? It's, he doesn't, he's lost his swivel. And what I mean is I use that on my radio show a lot. His, he's never looking around. Um, it, it's it's one read type stuff, maybe one and a half, and then he runs. Now, I saw the same thing with Jalen Hurts, young in his career, but he found his swivel. Yep. And he also found A.J. Brown, which helped a lot. But it helped give him confidence yep. to look around the field. Yes, A.J. Brown certainly helped a lot. Now, we get back. Paul is going to give his thoughts on this quarterback class. Does Minnesota – ooh, ironically, something just hit me. I'll discuss that next with Minnesota – his quarterback, and Paul Allen with Mark and I right here on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. It's the TGIF edition. Appreciate you guys being here with me. John Harris, your host, football analyst, sideline reporter. Now, on my mock draft most recently put out at footballtakeover.com, I had worked a trade for the Minnesota Vikings. There's been a lot of noise out there about the Minnesota Vikings looking at a lot of quarterbacks. Yes, they have Kirk Cousins, but I've seen a lot of noise that they were interested in Lamar Jackson and that they might be interested in drafting a rookie. And so not even thinking of this, what you're about to hear, I made a trade with the Minnesota Vikings moving from 23 up to 14 with the New England Patriots. And their aim was to go get who Paul Allen says right here. I never put it together. I didn't put it together. But then, hmm, ending last segment, I thought, wait a second, I forgot about this. This is who Paul Allen thinks is the best quarterback in this draft. This Will Levis from Kentucky, uh, he's my favorite of, of all these. I'm not a big film-watching guy, uh, but, you know, I will watch a fair amount of highlights and some All-22 into the Combine shows. Uh, Levis has a swivel. 
Richardson does not. I have not put time into Bryce Young. I don't watch much college football. And and Stroud's in the middle. This Levis kid, man, uh, whoever gets Will Levis, I'm just predicting right now, hopefully with the gift of discernment, they are going to land a big-time quarterback who can move just enough, big-time arm, but most importantly, his head's on a swivel with, with sketchy receivers at Kentucky. So Will Levis is one of my three favorite guys in this draft. All right, you and I have to talk about that. But you don't, you that's don't okay. like him? No, I, well, I you think probably watched him more than me. I've, I've watched a ton of him, unfortunately. I, I just with, – with him, I just worry about his consistency, his accuracy. There are times where he is just completely inaccurate. But yep. there's something there with him. Those turnovers are bad, man. Yeah, there were a few of them. I mean, I mean there's some of them I, I chuck up to, okay, he's playing with – he had two true freshmen playing wide receiver. Yep. And so there's always a learning curve with that. So, um, you know, we'll see because we're sitting at two and we need a quarterback, so we'll see what the Texans end up doing. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Lions earlier. And I told Mark before the season, I said, watch out for the Lions. I got a feeling. He did say even that. Before knock, I, he admits it. It's because you I loved said, hard knocks. Gonna... No, it was even before that. I'm playing with it. It was even before that, Paul. I just felt like they were stockpiling talent that eventually ten, enough enough stockpiling of talent yeah. is going to make you a good – it's going to make you an athletic roster and competitive. If you put that together and it meshes, then it can become a great team. And it felt like maybe that's where they were going. Yeah. A, how much do you – I see you use the word fear. How much do you fear the so Lions? So you wouldn't take Levis at one or two? And you know yep. more about it than me. Again, I don't nope. watch, but but you don't have to watch the games live. No, you, no, no, you no, can you play don't. catch up and watch the all twenty two. And no, that, and absolutely. That, that you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with this word swivel. All of a sudden, but <laughs> that swivel bit coming out of college matters. Yep. Oh no, it, there's no doubt. There's no know? doubt. I think the one other thing that I want to see in a quarterback is he's got to have complete and total command of yep. what is going on. And I find that with Bryce Young because Bryce mm. can get up to the line of scrimmage. And he can see things that are happening. And he can, he did it against LSU. I've told this to Mark. He get up to the line. He saw a guy just start to – he's like, got up the line, changed mm. the protection, slid it that way, mm. was able to buy himself time in a pocket, and then make a throw. I think Will – Well, that's uh, nice. My my comparison for Levis, my comp, was actually the combination of the Tennessee Titans quarterbacks of Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis. Really? Because he's got thick body like Malik Willis. He can run when he needs to. Um, but he sometimes makes decisions like Malik, but yeah, he's got some composure about him and some leadership skills that I like that he's kind of like Ryan Tannehill. So that's kind of my comp as the Tennessee Titans quarterback room. Mm. I don't well, think, that's no good. I don't think that he ends up in your division. I think he could end up in our division, Yeah, whether it's the Colts or whether it's us. I think he could end up there. So let's go back to the Lions. How much A do you fear them? And if Rodgers leaves – how much do you fear the Packers? Mm, well, you know, I, I told everybody who would listen into the season uh, that we were going to win the division. And, you know, even though, you know, branded as Barney the Purple Dinosaur sometimes uh, for homerific <laughs> calls, that's fine. Uh, that's how God wired me. It's I said it, you know, and I don't make big predictions like that frequently. Like, I, I actually thought the Vikings were going to go to the Super Bowl this yep. year. I said it into the season simply because there was a different spirit in our building, um, yep. a spirit of happiness, forgiveness, open-mindedness, and and that was palpable all season. Um, so Green Bay losing, with Aaron losing bailout guy, Devontae Adams, I knew we would I knew we would beat them week one because of the adjustment that would take place, but I just felt people were shortchanging that omission. Yeah. Um, and they eventually worked through it kind of. Yeah. But uh, but you know, obviously not enough to make the playoffs. Now the Lions. Um, 
their offensive line coach, Hank Fraley, um, is a very good friend of mine. He used yep. to coach with the Vikings. Their center, Frank Ragnall, is from Chan in Minnesota. I've known him since he played high school football. How the heck did you let him get to Arkansas? Well, the, the Vikings wanted him, They and, and they got sniped, man. They didn't think he was going there. Oh, you mean down to Arkansas? Yeah, down to Arkansas. Well, yeah, I guess it's because he wanted to be seen nationally yeah, in a, a big point. conference. Yeah, and, you it know, works. It's, but, but anyway, um, you know, so I was talking to them a little bit into the season, and um, and – you know, they were telling me things about Dan Campbell that you wouldn't know by just watching Hard Knocks yeah. or Bite Kneecap Guy. <laughs> it's like when Kevin O'Connell became the head coach of, of our team. You know, I subsequently learned things about Sean McVay that I didn't know, and specifically how he handled conflict and man mm. during the pandemic. You know, because when, when the pandemic hit, we're all getting the bio-reference um, a trailer in the parking lot and we're testing all the time. You know, I said to some people that the the last the last type of coach teams need in in this era are people like Bill Parcells, Frank Cush, Woody Hayes. Uh, first of all, they don't want to be yelled at. Secondly, their minds are spinning, man. They can't leave their places. You know, Mondays and Tuesdays are very important to them. Now they can't do what they normally do to break their routine. And, um, you know, so subsequently, when I learned a lot about Dan Campbell and how he handles man, but most importantly, learned about the mental transformation Jared Goff has gone through. He was embarrassed when he was traded for Matthew. And, and it was embarrassing. His, his wife is a model or, or something big in the Los Angeles area. Well, I don't, you know, I'm getting the feeling she didn't want to go. So <laughs> he didn't want to be, it's my belief, he didn't want to be in Detroit when he got there and may have acted like it. Well, then they beat us in 2021. It was their first win in a year and the first time their home fans had seen a win in oh. two years. That galvanized so much with Goff, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and the right players for the team. Um, so Jared is enamored with playing with the Lions, um, and you could see it with that team last year. Absolutely no doubt. I think the Lions are going to be incredibly scary. Thank God we don't play them this year. We play them in 2024 in Houston, but, man, I do not want to face those guys this year. They are going to be very, very good. Interesting to see what the Vikings will do, but I didn't put that Will Levis thing. I actually mocked Will Levis to the Vikings after that trade. And I didn't put it together about what Paul had said, even though we had talked to him about a month ago. So uh, it was, I don't know, just interesting. But you want to check out my mock draft uh, in case you're wondering. Bryce Young, Jalen Hyatt, John Michael Schmitz. Those are the three picks I had for the Texans. Go read what I have to say about it, footballtaker.com, and everything that I've got at HoustonTexas.com as well. A big thanks to everybody at Sports Radio 610 for having us here. Check out the Odyssey app. For Mark, for Paul Allen, for all of you for listening, we'll see you on Monday. It's owners' meetings, baby. Mark will be there. I'll be at Baylor Pro Day. We'll see you next week, everybody. And as always, go Texans.